well, I'm not sure you really need me after all the singing. And some of those songs touch me deeply. I'm a big Tozer fan, and if you read any of my books, you find that uh, there's a lot of Tozer in there. And even today, we will suggest some things that uh, in David's prayer. So let's pray for a minute. Father, I'm weak, but you're strong. I thank you for the songs that have brought out your character, the Ancient of Days, a God who's not absent, but always here. We pray that you'll open our ears to hear worthily and that it'll sink into our hearts. We'll be able to apply what we hear into our uttermost being and to our family, our community, our nation, that we'll become soldiers. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as you see today, is this, the title of our sermon is Five Smooth Stones of, of David. And um, as a statistician and a consultant and who's done a little bit of everything under the sun, um, when I hit a number in the scriptures, it slows me down. And it causes me to ask questions of what the significance of the number is. Now, that's my makeup, is numbers. And several years ago, when I was going through Genesis, I went through the lifespans, and it triggered me something, too. And I wrote two papers for the Creation Research Quarter that show there are no gaps in the genealogy. No way. A model that nobody had ever discovered shows it. It converges to 80, just like the Psalm 90 says. But I'm trying using science to confirm the word. God's already confirmed it. And so we're going to look at numbers. For instance, when you think about the feeding of the 5,000, does that number bring anything to your mind? Probably not. But the scripture says there were women and children there. And being a statistician by demographics, we could have estimated that would have been anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people. Think what that does. That number enlarges the magnitude of that miracle, and it makes God bigger. And I like things that do that. God's got to be bigger. The book I'm working on now is based on one verse in Numbers 14.22. says there's ten tests in the wilderness. And that one verse ties Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all together. It starts with a number. And so I get excited when I hit a, a number. And a few months ago, I was going through this portion of Samuel, and you've all read the story of David and Goliath, and you know that he went, in 1 Samuel 17, he picked up five smooth stones from the brook. And we needed one. And so I began, why five? 
God never does anything by mistake. There's no coincidences in the Scriptures. And so as I looked at it closer and closer, there were five giants. And we're going to look at those giants. Not spend too much on the first, but I want to look at the other four. But I want to look at a backdrop. If you turn to 1 Samuel, and I want to lay a little bit of background. 1 Samuel chapter 13. And pardon me, if you're familiar with this, I always, when I go to the Old Testament, I always feel like I need, the Old Testament is my love. That's, most of my writing comes out of the Old Testament. But I've written some books out of the New Testament too. But I, I want to lay this background. First Samuel 13, starting verse 19. Now no blacksmith could be found in all Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to get his to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his goad. Whenever they had to sharpen the edge of the goad or any of these other things, they had to fix the goad points. So it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and his son. You need to realize something. The Philistines had control of technology. I'm bringing this down home today. That's the battle we're facing. The Philistines have control. They had control then, too. Didn't slow down David. But we need to recognize, as that's the case, we have a battle before us. Saul, he was, he, when he became king, he, he was 40 when he began reigning, and he reigned for 32 years. He had some successes, but never complete, especially against the Philistines. He really never took out the Philistines. But he had three big failures, and I'm just going to mention them. I won't want to turn them. You can look them up, and they're in my notes. He offered the burnt offering when Samuel told him to wait. Mistake one. He took credit for another's victory. That was Jonathan. And made a silly vow. Lost the battle against the Philistines. And he did not slay all the Amalekites. That was the third one. Ooh. The third one. For obedience is more than sacrifice. And David was anointed by Samuel just before he had the run-in with Goliath. So Saul doesn't have a very illustrious passage at the time. So I don't want to spend any time with him. I want to move on. I want to look at David really quickly. He was the youngest of the sons of Jesse. He was short 
He tried armor, uh, Saul's armor, you remember, and couldn't handle it. He had a staff and a slingshot when he went out against Goliath. But he had confidence in God because of where he'd been. Confidence in God. I don't know if you've ever spent a lot of time outside. I do. I rescue cats and foxes. I'm out at night all the time taking care of those. I have to guard the foxes from people, cats from predators. But I have a wonderful time praying. I can look up the heavens on the clear days and see all the stars, and I can see what David saw. And it's something when you're out there, the magnitude of God just speaks. There's something about it. You hear sounds, animals, and everything, but the solitude and the, and the inner voice of God in your heart is something you can't replace. My kids always ask me, Dad, are you going down to Texas soon? Yep, I'm getting ready. I need to be alone out in the pastures. I need to be away from people and technology. I can't handle the technology. And I'm in a field where technology drives everything. But notice, I want to notice for a moment. If you remember, everybody looked at David and said he was sorry deplorable you're too young you're not able that was the perception of others but he used the tools that God had equipped him with notice one little verse in 1 Samuel 17 let's see I lost my place for a moment Seventeen, yeah. Verse forty-five. David said to the Philistines, "You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come unto you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. You have blasphemed my God." And that's what I've been praying lately. A lot of things we're seeing, the news and everything, they blaspheme God. And we need to stand, God, this is yours. This is your battle. And David saw that. And I think it was all the time with those dirty sheep. Just like all the time with the cats and the foxes. It's something when you spend time with animals, your, your compassion and reality changes. Some foxes came in this park where I take care of them all. They had mange. Oh, that's like sin of the worst kind. And I hate to see an animal suffer. So I took action. Had to go to England and Canada to get the medicine but save most of them. It's something when you look at what God has created and you get involved with it, you don't know the solution, but you move through it. God begins speaking in other ways. 
David was not infected by fear, which the army was. He was infected by faith. Fear undermines faith. We must always remember that. And so if our fear is uh, fading, we need to spend a little bit more time with the Lord. But notice now David's argument when he talked to Saul. He says, well, I have slayed a bear and a lion. Do you know how hard it is to sling a stone at a bear or a lion that's moving? That's probably harder than slaying the giant Goliath. He had no mobility. Think about that. Just a big old guy, big and intimidating. And notice now, I want you to remember, he came out 40 days. 40 days of propaganda and intimidation. That's what the media is doing now. It's not stopped. But God is still in control. And David, with his confidence, he said, the battle is the Lord. He will give you into our hands. There was no precedent for what David did. But he did it by faith. Now, here's a little interesting tidbit. Turn back with me. Let's see if I can remember where it is. In Judges 20, 16. We'll flip pages for a minute. Judges 16 talks about the tribe of Benjamin. He says, out of all these people, 700 choice men, they were left-handed. Each one could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. I'm lucky to get the side of the house. Not miss a hair. There were 700 of them. And they came from the tribe of Benjamin. That was Saul's tribe. We'll turn and look at 1 Chronicles 12. Flip again. First Chronicles 12, 2. This is a little later. I'll read 12, 1 and 2. Now these are the ones who came to David at Zillac while he was still restricted because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. They were equipped with bows, using both the right hand and the left hand to sling stones and to shoot out arrows. They were Saul's kinsmen from Benjamin. Right and left. Most people have trouble with the right. And I was born in a family where my brothers were left-handed. And so I had to learn to do things left-handed. Left and right. That is phenomenal skill. And it's interesting, there was all these men who were very skilled, but God didn't choose them. He chose David. He called David. Because David had a heart to do what he wanted to do. Now, 
Let's turn over and read about the other giants. There are five, four others. And uh, let's go to 2 Samuel 21. I think it's where I want to go. Yep, 2 Samuel 21. And starting verse, um, I think, 17, no, 15. Now when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David went down and his servants with him. And as they fought against the Philistines, David became weary. This is his second giant. Then Ishbib, Benadab, who was among the descendants of the giant, the weight of whose spear was 300 shekels of bronze in weight, was girded with a new sword, New technology. Didn't have the old sword. Had a new sword. And he intended to kill David. But Afshai, the son of Zeruiah, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out again with us to battle, that you may not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Now it came about after this that there was war again with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sebekai the Hishite struck down Saph, who was among the descendants of the giant. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob. And Elhanan, the son of Jared or Origen, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Hittite. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And then there was war at Gath again, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand, six toes in each foot, 24 digits in total. He also had been born in a giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. A lot of names. Don't get lost in the names. So let's look at the giants. Ishbibinah had a new sword. And the scriptures record here that David became weary. Generally, another way to translate that is faint. But if you do the looking in the, the scriptures in the Old Testament, it generally requires, it, it, it communicates a weariness and a faintness that comes as a result of hunger or exertion. So David was not doing well. And if it hadn't been for Abishai, he would have died. But he was watching David. And he got in the battle. We all need Abishai's behind us, being our rear guard, observing where we were weak, faint, are struggling. We all struggle. And he was one of David's mighty men. Now, if you want an interesting study, study David's mighty men. And this is one of them. He's a brother. Actually, he's a cousin of David. Wow. Do you have cousins like that? I have one. She's sweet. Look at the next one. His name was Saph. He struck down. 
he's struck down by a hell nine, another one of the mighty men. And there's no details. No details on the weapon. No details how he's killed. But again, one of David's mighty men. Number four. Let's see. I'm losing my place. Yeah, the, we, there's the, the giant that struck down Saph, who was struck by the Sibikai, and then Elhanah struck down one who had a, uh, a spear shaft like a weaver's beam. He struck down, again by one of David's mighty men. And then the last giant, the fifth giant, there was Warwick Gath, one who had great stature, had six fingers on each hand, six toes in each foot. Nothing's told you about his weapon. And he's not slain by one of David's mighty men. Now that's significant. He is not slain by one of David's mighty men. All the other giants are slain by them. But this one was slain by one of David's nephews. One of David's nephews. Wow. Well, how do we respond to all this? Well, I have some life response, and I'm going to expand a little bit more here. I always need to take you through the scriptures in the Old Testament so you understand the issues. The first one here is, with faith in a great God, there's no precedent needed but God and his word. David had no precedent to do what he was going to do, other than he'd slain a bear and a lion, which I consider harder. He had no precedent. Now let me give you an example of that. Years ago, when my family was a little younger, we, um, I was teaching at a university in Louisiana, and my family was growing. And I had a car, a Camaro, and if you can think of the sportiest Camaro you can think of, that's what I had. Uh, but I had the second child coming on the way, and a Camaro with no rear doors was not the place, the kind of car to have. So my wife approached me, but we really need to sell this car. We, we need to get this car sold. And we had made a trip to another city, and uh, I had found the car and bought it, but I took a short bridge loan, and I used to do that a lot because I didn't have all the cash in hand, but I'll take a bridge loan for 90 days, and I'll pay it all off. I'll owe no, no one anything. So I went back to our little town that we were in, about 20000 I said, I could sell this. This is a college town. Everybody likes a sporty car. And so I advertised it there for two and a half months. Nobody. And God spoke and convicted me, you're trusting in the car, Bill. You're not trusting in me. Just like we trust in a program or we trust in a this or that. My trust wasn't where it needed to be. 
Okay, God, you got my attention. So what do I do? Well, I had a friend that lived in another city about an hour and a half away, bigger metropolis. And so I says, well, I'm going to advertise in the paper. I'm going to go over on a Saturday morning. I'll be there for four hours. And someone, God's going to have to raise up the person. And some of my friends, well, nobody's ever done that. Oh, I'm taking two cars, so I won't have to won't have to come back in the car I took over. See, I expected God to sell that car. Only one party showed up that day. They bought the car, but God tested me. We want you to mark the bill of sale thousands less so we don't have to pay the sales tax. I said, I can't do that. God sold it anyway. See, when you take steps of faith, God's going to test you. Do you really mean this? And things like that, they enrich your faith. They encourage you to step out further in the future. Number two, every giant was different and probably came with different weapons. The giants are different today. They're more sneaky. But God has solutions. There are giants in our lives, in our culture, in our churches, in our communities. We've got to engage in Christ, at least in prayer, but we've got to be courageous. We've got to be strong and courageous to fight the battle. Number four, the no-name giant I consider to be the most dangerous. We may need discernment from mature believers to identify and defeat. I want to give you a good example of this. My life has been committed to sharing the gospel and discipling men and women. That's what I'm about. I got people on the mission field all over the world. Doctors, lawyers, professors. And so I hear back from them all the time. And one of those men I introduced to Christ several years ago, he was um, a long-distance runner, NCAA champion in the cross-country, phenomenal athlete. Went on the mission field in Africa, came back, family, followed through, got a Ph.D., Doing fabulous. I get a call from him, and I used to see him at least once a year, every other year. We kept touch. He says, Bill, I, I, I have something I need to ask of you. I'm struggling with an issue. Would you be available to help? Yeah, what is it? And I know when he asked, he knew I wasn't going to judge him. What can I do for you? Anything I can do. I'm struggling with pornography. I says, well, you don't have anybody in your church. He it was in a town. It had a big church he was going to. You don't have anybody there you can be honest with to hold you accountable? No, everybody would throw stones. 
Well, let's look around. There should be some software that you can put on a computer because it always showed up on his computer. So he got some special software that tracked, and it let me know as soon as he hit something. And so I'd call him up immediately. But here was a guy who had a lot of discipline, and he still had a problem. He couldn't fight it with discipline. The flesh cannot win. You can't against flesh. He needed an armor bearer to stand behind him, an abshai, no stones thrown, love him, and he's conquered it. Took a year. It's not like David threw a stone and won the battle there. It took some time. But he's pressing on. He stands behind me praying for me all the time. That's what happens. The body of Christ gets so tight and so, what's the word? Um, wants to stand there in battle with you. Those kinds of relationships are rich. And I love them. Number five, no need to be ashamed or feel guilty about being weary or faint. We will all be faint at some time. This past year has probably made some of us faint in a lot of ways. But we need Afshai's to cover us. And we need to be truthful with one another. And number six. We, I want to leave a legacy for my children and my spiritual children. A legacy that's by faith and faith alone. There's nothing more exciting to me to see someone I've introduced to Christ or one of my children fight a giant and win that battle. I am excited because they're, they're going to be standing with Christ and Christ alone. Dad's not needed. Their spiritual father's not needed. They are having an impact on the world. Remember, the Lord was with David through it all. Now, we will face giants all through our life. You just cannot run from them. I'm facing one now. I'm taking a medicine that's supposed to help me, but it's about ready to kill me. And I've got to find a solution to it. And so I'm stepping out in faith and trying to approach it from another way. You might pray for me. My son, youngest son, got caught up in drugs years ago. Ten years. What a giant to face. But he's out. He's overcome by the, in Christ. And one of the secrets to overcoming, we have a prayer team that stands behind us. I send out about every three to six months Here's where we're at. Can you pray about certain things? And they're scattered all over the world. And they stand behind us and pray. And we pray for them. This is about 20 people. It helps. But you've got to pray with wisdom. You've got to know the facts so that you know how to pray. Just bless Bill. No, okay, that doesn't do it. It's got to be more specific for what the issue is. Caring for family. You want to know a giant caring for family members? 
drains you. Weak. Deaths of children. My older brother has lost two children. One at 20-ish, another at 30-ish. Nobody understood how to stand behind him. Brutal. Wife surgeries. My wife has had so many surgeries in the last three or four years, I, I'm not sure I can put them all on one hand, but maybe two. But she's out of it. It was not quick. It was four to five years. But God is able. So think through your life this week. Are there some giants you're struggling with? Be honest. Find someone that won't tear you apart. Stand behind you praying. And you pray for them. You've got to have that kind of accountability in the, blood of, in, the, in the body of Christ. As you do, your faith is encouraged. And Christ is exalted. The story on the, the car issue is so phenomenal that my friend was not a believer that saw it. So it opened up to share the gospel with him. You never know what God's going to use. Well, let us pray for a moment. Father, may we be honest with you before the throne as we assess where we're at, what's going on in our lives. Help us each to find some abshires that will stand behind us and fight with us. That we would win the battle not for ourselves, but for Christ. And that his name would be exalted and men and women would be brought, drawn to him. It's the name of our Savior we pray. Amen.